<laughs> Why, the only cure is bed rest. Anything I give you would only be a placebo. Where do we get these placebos? Maybe there's some in this truck. <laughs> I'm cured. I mean, out. Oh, well, we've got all the placebos you need because we are breaking quarantine to talk about epidemic movies during this crisis. Uh, it might be the only time we're ever topical. <laughs> Every once in a while, something so significant happens that I, I don't know. I feel like if we watch, you know, and uh, we keep going with this long enough, a lot of the post-apocalyptic movies that we watch, you know, from our youth are eventually going to come to pass. Well, this this one seems like startlingly accurate. So. Um, before we get into that, uh, Chris, how are you? I'm good, man. How are yeah, you doing? Did you have a good week? How's, how's the quarantine and uh, the, the plague treating you? It was, well, first for, of all... For everyone listening, we're in, uh, I guess, week one of uh, uh, self-isolation for the COVID-19 uh, virus outbreak. The global pandemic. Global pandemic. Global pandemic, I have, COVID. I have ventured the plague wastes uh, to, you know, cross... From my quarantine zone into Nathan's quarantine zone, like so a, we can be together. It's for like this. a fifteen-minute walk. Yeah, yeah. Vancouver's not that big. Put my life at risk. <laughs> you did. You better fucking appreciate that it. fucking air. What was the movie where the air is poisonous? The happening. Yeah, we're like the happening oh, yeah, in here sure, right now, yeah. and the plants are angry, and everyone's killing themselves. <laughs> plants are. Uh, except this, this, this uh, virus is making everybody hoard toilet paper. <laughs> a bunch of fucking idiots. <laughs> I just, I can't, I can't get it, I don't Blowing your nose is softer with toilet paper than Kleenex, I guess I don't fucking know It was all fun and games until I went down to the shoppers and I, uh, I have toilet paper I read an article today, this dude in the Okanagan, uh, Lake Country um, And he's like, everyone's mad at me for, for buying all the meat from the superstore I'm getting death threats, what did I do wrong? It's like, you, you're a fucking idiot, you're a monster You bought all the meat from, you, you live in a town with like two grocery stores <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so fuck uh, that guy and all those people. Yeah. Yeah, that's this uh this kind of shit just you know, I'm not like a conspiracy theorist. I've tried to be pretty rational and then things like this happen and it just really plants this uh, seed of doubt in my mind that mankind can handle any kind of tragedy. Well, I mean, I think overall... Uh, that the, the possibility of ending up in a Mad Max-type society is a lot more real than any of us, uh, you know, want to think. Yeah, well, maybe not this virus, but, like, one of its ilk that's worse could certainly, you know... Yeah. people Because people don't take shit seriously, like, and then the government's too slow to act, too. Like, fucking... Our, our country was way too slow to close the borders. Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, you know, and this is, like... You know, get too real here, but like this is a thing that I've always heard about was going to happen since I was a kid, and it's happened before, right? This is the same virus as SARS, SARS and MERS, H one N one, H one N one. Yeah, it's just going to keep mutating, and the the mortality rate or the uh, hang on, what was it called? Uh, the the R naught number is going to increase. <laughs> yeah, the R naughts. Right, yeah. right. But, well, uh, we'll we'll, so. we'll get into that. Um, so because of this, we decided to take a break from our usual genre uh, tastic. Um, types of movies like we're not doing any science fiction or any uh, fantasy or any action or anything like that this is going to be pandemic movies although I did not uh, outbreak kind of crosses into some of those realms a couple of times but first we're going to start with the 2012 Steven Soderbergh movie Contagion Contagion um, now, a movie I had not heard of yeah so I saw it when it came out when I first came out I saw it 
Um, I remember I enjoyed it. Um, it didn't like you know. I think it did okay at the box office. It made like sixty million bucks or something like that. I haven't. So budget sixty million dollars. May grossed one hundred thirty five. Oh, okay, worldwide. Dollars. So it did okay, but it wasn't like you know Steven Soderbergh. Just to put him into context, he's the guy who directed Traffic, the Ocean's trilogy, um, the Magic Mike movies. Uh, he's also made some smaller, more like gritty indie films like The Limey and Sex Lives and Video The Tape. Magic Mike movies. Eh? That's right. Yeah. What he's a, got a very what an oeuvre. I know. He's got, he's got a very distinctive visual style. His editing and his color filters are very unique. Um, he, he keeps things going at a very brisk pace. The music in this movie is incredible. It's like a Bourne movie. Yeah. That's what I noted down. It's like the really movie, intense. Yeah, so the movie, this movie takes place at a breakneck pace, and it's about a very a, a virus very similar to what we're dealing with now, a, sort of a mutated flu strain. A chilling vision of things to come. Yeah, so why don't you take us through the... Uh, the, the plot of Contagion a little bit here. Like, how does it, like, we kind of start out with just um, some some lady returning home from a business yeah, trip, Gwyneth the, Paltrow. The, you have the Chiron day two. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow is in a airport bar yeah. uh, drinking a cocktail talking to some guy she just slept with on the phone yeah she's married she's married uh, married come woman. later to find out that she's married yeah, to Matt Damon yeah so she's she cheating she cheating she cheating classic she, she a dirty hoe classic Gwyneth yeah. you know probably probably using some of those goop products to gussy herself up for her for her infidelity uh, yeah but uh, long story short she's sick uh, and she comes home and she dies like right away like right away one of my favorite moments just I, get, to, I guess those vagina scented candles weren't as effective as washing your hands you know? no no and like this scene I guess like I don't know if it was actually her as an actress or if they used one of those like silicone like people bodies but like when they're cutting her they head cut open cut her head open that was so fucking that was, cool that caught me off guard yeah, yeah I, was so really I wrote the that. line down he goes uh Okay, let's look. He looks at they look at her brain, and they go, "Okay, let's look at the base." And they go, "My God!" And then the one the one doctor says, "Should I call someone?" And the other doctor says, "Call everyone." That's so cool. Which I hear that all the time, you know. So from it's a little different. The ladies. Yeah you know right. What I'm yeah right. I'm sure you look do. Look at the base. <laughs> look at that. Should base. I call someone? Call everyone. I'll call a doctor is probably what they say in that uh, respect. So I think something. I think something. Oh, it's not. It's not compliment. I think something's wrong there. Um, so yeah, she and then Matt Damon is her husband, the dutiful husband, ignorant to her infidelity, and then we cut to Lawrence Fishburne. I think, I think he knows. I think he knows. I feel like later it's. Oh, he knows, you know, right? Yeah, she's like, well, she had a a friend. We were married. She had yeah. a relationship with a guy in where is it? Chicago. Yeah. So just kind of the way, like, and I guess this is also one of my criticisms of the movie is that like the way it unfolds there's not really any like beyond the like loose thread of them trying to cure the disease it really just kind of shows you a portrait of what's happening in all these different places with all these different characters yeah um, so sorry I got off track so you see Gwyneth yeah but, uh, so well yeah so she dies yeah uh, his son also dies young his young, young boy young Clark yeah young Clark uh, he also dies uh, we turn turns out he has a daughter she shows up at some point and she's uh, fine I guess she's, she's, she's okay. immune like him yeah um, it's established that Matt Damon is immune because of course Jason Bourne's not going to get taken down by some fucking virus and I should also point out that this is a little different than the COVID-19 because this is like a neurological thing like this rips your uh, this rips your I actually wrote system. a lot of that down yeah so um, so let's get into that so basically the next like half hour of the movie is discovering is it inter- introducing all the players and like the CDC and the government so and Lawrence, discovering what the virus is and going around the world and investigating it yeah so Lawrence Fishburne is the head of the CDC uh, his right hand uh, woman is Kate Winslet 
Um, and then you got uh, Marianne Cotillard over in Asia trying to figure stuff out there. Right? You don't know how they're related, really. It just kind of cuts back and forth. Yeah. And then, in my favorite performance of the movie, you have Jude Law at his absolute <laughs> most Yo. slimy fucking greaseball is- British gross. Like, I don't know how, like, just fucking disgusting is the best way to put he, Jude Law's performance. I wrote this down later because you don't find out until later. I laughed out loud to myself. You find out his full name is Alan Crumweedy. <laughs> K-R-U-M-W-I-E-D-E. What a great name. Yeah. So yeah, this guy is a total like... This is, uh, this is a little bit ahead of its time because he's the disinformation spewer during a crisis, right. right? Like he's the one who's, you know, he's the conspiracy theorist, the Alex Jones kind of person online pushing the, the, the counter intelligence to the very serious warnings of the health agencies. And this movie condemns his behavior. It does. And it strongly. really makes me wonder it shows how, consequences. how they got Gwyneth Paltrow on board to participate <laughs> in this movie. I don't think goop was a thing yet. Yeah. Was, dude, this I mean, is 2012. They literally, I wrote, this is a way skip away to him, but I wrote down because at the end he, he goes, down for his yeah, he does. We'll, and, get, we'll uh, get to that. Prosythia, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prosythia, that's what for, I wrote. Prosythia. Oh, Prosythia, right. Um, and I just wrote, like, throwing, they throw him in jail, and I wrote, throwing people in jail uh, for encouraging them to take herbal medicine instead of vaccines. Like, what a beautiful fantasy world this I know. movie takes place. I know, and But don't forget, dude, this is 2012. Obama just got reelected. Uh-huh. you know? People are full of hope. People, like, the hope had been reassured. Like, hey, I didn't do much my first term, but this time I'm actually going to get some shit done. Keep believing in me, right? Like, this is a different America here. It's just, this is good time America still. This is, like, this is, like, the 90s, like, like 90s 2.0 here for America. You know, the Obama, the, the, the thick of the Obama years. So, this is a very optimistic time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, um, so, and right off the bat, right, like, you're seeing, like, within ha- the halfway point of this movie, Gwyneth Paltrow is dead. Elliot Gould is dead. Kate Winslet is dead. Like, they're killing people off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, there's also the the CDC, like the two, um, like actual disease. Jennifer Ali and uh, yeah. Uh, bio bio safety level four. What's her name? Jennifer Ellie. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, her partner is Dimitri Martin. Dimitri Martin, Canadian, Canadian. Yeah, that was that was Dimitri Martin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, I fucking know that face. I know I that say, Greek. I, had to look it up. I know that Greek face from somewhere. You know, yeah, I used to love his. Uh, yeah, he has. He had a, yeah, back good Canadian comic. So really, like very, like really huge all star cast in this movie. Like this movie is stacked. This movie is absolutely like dripping with talent and like everyone's bringing it. Everyone's taking it seriously, and it moves at like. Like a really, really brisk pace, and it shows the looting and the fucking like martial law and the garbage everywhere. It's for real, this movie is too real. Like, it's too real. It's, it really is like a horror movie. If you're listening to this in the time when, if you're like for me, I'm in the time where there is this pandemic situation going on. I mean, it's not that serious. No, this is the one that they. This is a horror movie. Yeah. Like I got it's gave me well, that part especially when they I wrote down when they get to the part where. Uh, it gets real serious and like you know now millions of people have it then they they describe it there's gonna be a run on the grocery stores and the banks the gas stations and everything and then they show guys starting to loot the grocery stores swipe everything off the shelves they don't show them collecting toilet paper but you just assume probably no but they do show them taking they do show people like Like taking all the batteries and and all the fucking hand sanitizer and all that shit and And that like it legit gave me anxiety (laughs) because like I've been thinking during all this quarantine stuff that like you know it's, things are kind of fragile, right? Like they totally really are kind of fragile. Like we, re- I did, we almost didn't have toilet paper in my house for yeah. like three days until Dude, the, the local grocery store got it back in stock because uh, of all the morons panicking and buying it out. Like a lot a, of the, um, it is, lo- a, is an accurate prediction of what would happen. I think in a lot of the, uh, like. 
a lot of that behavior is just is just it just goes to show you like how flimsy the systems that we trust to operate at all times are. Yeah, exactly. If anything, if one tiny thing throws a wrench in that in that gear, then then everyone panics and like people just don't know how people just like a person, an individual person is smart, but people are dumb, so people don't know how to act in these situations. Quoting Men in Black, I am um, Tommy Lee Jones. Uh-huh. You know, uh, so like you can't really trust. A group of people to behave properly when this happens. You take away, you know, the the security of toilet paper being there all the time. Well, I guess I just have to buy all the fucking toilet paper then, right? Yeah. Like it's ridiculous, and it really like it's it's. I mean, for, I personally don't use toilet paper, so it doesn't affect. Yeah, me, no, I'm good. I used to. I use the. I, 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 the, uh, I actually had graduated to the three seashells. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I've been using. So yeah, anyone, I assume most of our listeners are using the three seashells. Yeah, method. I mean that's really the right way to go. I mean, if, if, if you don't have three seashells, well, go load it up. You know, you know, go get three. <laughs> go to the beach. Head down to the beach. <laughs> yeah, and then just Google it Try, how to up, use it. Do the math. How many people are there in your family? <laughs> Multiply that by three. Yeah, because definitely don't want to be tr- don't want to be sharing seashells. No, they share it in Demolition Man, but that's a movie, right? Like. In real life, you, also, you want to have your own seashells. That's the future, I think. What year is it supposed to be? Sure. Are we not? Are we there yet? Is it twenty twenty? It's like twenty thirty. I don't know how's right? Taco Bell doing. Uh, they're actually suffering pretty bad. So. Oh yeah. No, the, so we're still a ways off. The franchise wars haven't happened yet. Demolition Man's a great movie, by the way. Uh-huh. We're gonna do oh, that. We'll, we'll get there. We'll, we'll get there. Uh, so put that in the dad sci-fi column. So yeah, and now like you know, we see everything kind of back to back to the plot here. We see everything kind of uh, falling apart. It, it is a little hard to go through the plot because it because there's not it, much of a plot. It flies all over the place time-wise, and there really isn't much. It is almost like a mockument, like a not a mockument, docudrama. Uh, doc- docudrama. Yeah. Of an event that didn't happen, you know. But uh, yeah, it things get really bad. Um, People are fully quarantined. Um, yeah, you just see all these realities of what that would be like. And the, somewhere along the way, um, whatever her name is that I can't remember from the CDC, discovers a viable vaccine. Yeah, There's Jennifer that cool scene yeah. where she, she tries it, tests it on herself. Yeah. And uh, references that guy that tested the cure for ulcers. That's right. Or the, the theory that ulcers are a bacteria. Yeah. I remember that was a really cute scene with her and her dad. Yeah, that um, was great. <laughs> yeah, let's see. There were some funny lines along the way. Uh, oh man, when the first when the rioting first happens and they're all trying to get Forsythia from yeah. the grocery store. Yeah, Forsythia. One one person in the line like coughs and doesn't have a mask on. Yeah, and, and they're like, cover like, your mouth. He's like, fuck mouth. off. Fuck off, lady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because those people exist, right? Like you have those dick bags out there who just don't give a shit if they cough on everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Like those are the people who are the problem. Yeah. Okay. So I'll give you some st- statistics on the disease from the stats? movie. Nice. It's at its nice. worst. Nice. So. Uh, well, first of all, before that, a good statistic, when um, uh, uh, Fishburne's partner, uh, and I think I could remember... Kate Winslet? Kate Winslet's character. So, so I don't remember the names of any yeah, of the characters, I, right? I, normally, yeah. I write that down. No. But, um, so she is trying to explain to the government like how to prioritize this, what to take seriously, what to release to the press, or whatever. And she throws out the number... Uh, that the average person touches their face two or three thousand right. times a day. And then yeah. she goes on to say three to five times every waking minute, which is yeah. absolutely insane. I looked it up and like now, because there's a lot to talk about it right now. That's not the case. No, BBC News and uh, ABC News tend to agree that it is around 400 times a day. Which... It's 10,000 times a day, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm, we're, I have my hands haven't left my face. So what you're saying started is, recording. So what you're saying is that Kate Winslet's a fear mongering, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, government liberal. Yeah, and she's the should, worst monster of all. And that we should buy Forsythia. Yeah, <laughs> that two, two laws correct. Two laws, herbal remedy. 
Um, so yeah, uh, at its worst, day 21, this is at, right after the riots happen and right. everything's all boarded up and there's a run on Forsythia. Uh, so the, the, we talked about the r naught number, which she sets up in the beginning, yeah. which is like how many people that you would pass it to once are not going to get infected. And the flu is usually one other person that you yeah. pass it to. And then, uh, smallpox is small three. Pox is three. Yeah. So they, ha- it went from an r naught of two to an r naught of four plus. Uh, which means that one in 12 people will contract it. One, one in 12 globally. people on globally will contract yeah. the disease is their prediction. So that's when it's at its worst when then the uh, vaccine is finally discovered and they start dishing it out via lottery system yeah. by, by birth date. Yeah. It's pretty strange. I mean, how else would they do it though? You know, it, and, and I guess the world continues, but it, it's broken for everything. So something like 2 million people died or something like that in that with that virus, 2 million people globally. Yeah. Which would be catastrophic. I think, I think we're going to get to like the tens of thousands with this one. But yeah. we'll, never, we'll never come close to a million, right? Well, th- I don't know, man. That's the thing, right? Like, a lot of... Like, uh, you know, scientists in that field that study pandemics and, like, the recurring ones like this one say that, like, it is fully possible for it to mutate to a point where the mortality rate is as high as 5, 10, 15 percent. And if that spreads globally and we can't contain it, like, I mean, it seems like we're kind of failing to do that right now. Maybe this will change, you know, policies or, like, the, the, the kind of, like... I think contingency too, plans we have in place yeah. but I mean that's gonna that would kill hundreds of millions of people it's just too, right? too much of it is like too much of it's rooted in like you know like politics and like perceptions of like people don't want to people don't want to look at reality if it makes them feel uncomfortable and if like having to say that like well this part of China isn't allowed to come to Canada anymore because they might bring this disease there's no one who's going to be willing to like make that call I was going to say they're, people are going to be they're going to say that it's racist rather than health related that's, right that's the problem and that's right? the problem is you can't look at anything from a cold scientific perspective without having people's values and people's like own own like you know insecurities bleed in it's not about it's like with it's like with the people in the US who, who protest vaccines well it's not about your rights it's a public health thing right yeah so I'm sorry but your rights take a back seat to everybody else around you being healthy yeah that argument of well I don't care like I'll take the risk or I'll take the risk to my child even doesn't you know is it falls apart when you understand like the concept of herd immunity and how your child yeah. can become a carrier to people who the vaccine doesn't work on. Yeah. You know. Yeah, but then for those people, I mean, you have to believe in like science, right? And unfortunately, yeah, right. we're we're dealing with a we're dealing with an entire generation of people who were uh, who were told to doubt facts. Oh, they live in a they live in a world of such high technology that they can afford the luxury of not believing in the science that built this like you know, no, or it's more, it's more fun to doubt, you know, cold hard facts, or they refuse to let the onus of like being the doubter on them to prove it. And they just say, well, I don't trust anything you say. So by virtue of you not being trustworthy, I don't have to prove any of my ridiculous alternative facts. Right. Yeah. So if that, so you basically put yourself into that logical bubble right there, there's no point arguing with these people. So I guess the cold hard reality is that they're gonna die. They're gonna get this virus, and they're gonna and they're gonna and it's gonna mutate I, in them. Honestly, like the, I feel like the worst case scenario for something really fatal would be we would all you know attempt social distancing like this again. Which, by the way, I don't they know use that, that term. They, they do term say social distancing. Yeah. I thought that was great. So that goes that term harkens all the way back to 2012 at least. Yeah, but like so we would try that, and then a lot of people would ignore it, and a lot of people would die, and we just have to like hunker down in our basements for like four months and wait for you know the, all these people to die and the disease to move on and then you know recover from it afterwards and then they're gonna have the worst part is gonna be the people who realize that they were wrong and then because they're like already like 
dumb people they're, you know, who didn't believe it in the first place, their reaction to realizing they were wrong isn't going to be, oh, well, I guess I better start living better. It's, oh, I'm going to have to take extreme measures now. Yeah. Right? So yeah. we're dealing with a, we're dealing with a, a race of people. Again, like this entire 25-year span, people have been taught to doubt facts and it's bizarre and I've never really understood it and I've always like I don't know I guess because my dad's a scientist and like I, I feel there are some positive outcomes of this uh, pandemic that's happening right now and it is a bit of a reality check for people you know people are kind of being confronted with the reality of something like this and how it can come to their doorstep and being forced the government is forcing them to take these measures and whatnot you know to protect themselves against it you know it it I, I, I got a little bit of like faith restored that we can execute some level of like control in a situation like this and it won't be complete pandemonium but you jack the mortality rate of a disease up you know and then that might go out the window right if everybody in their you know neighbor or whatever is all dying then people might start flipping out I just, and I looting and rioting I'm not like uh, we live in a city that's been home to a major riot so you know it's not hard to a see major how- a major riot when our sports team lost a game it's important let's uh, let's remember uh, that the riot that we had wasn't because of a shortage of food it wasn't a food riot in progress like in uh, <laughs> the running man it was a well our well, our city built these big TV screens for us so we could all watch a game outside and we lost, so we burned it all uh, down. Sports are life, Nathan. It's all relevant. Yeah, sports. Oh, D- dying or losing in sports are oh, oh, one man, to I one equivalent. Totally forgot to talk about this. Okay, um, we're gonna, uh, there's something I want to bring up between our next to bookend our our well, next. Okay, let's, so let's wrap up. Let's wrap up. Our, okay, our, well, our, let me talk. There, so, well, yeah, well, you want to finish Contagion or no? Yeah, let's talk about Contagion a bit here. Um, a couple things I want to say about this movie. So, well, hang on, wait. Let me wrap up the last scene. Okay. Yeah. So, oh, I love the last scene. Yeah. So we cure the disease. Uh, we get these heartwarming moments of everybody getting, you know, recovered. Getting uh, the vaccine. Matt Damon. Oh, John Hawks is killing the janitor played by John, the great, the fucking yes. great John Hawks. Him and his yeah. kid get special dis- special treatment from Lawrence Fishburne. I wrote down, aw, Dr. Fishburne did the right thing. Yeah. Uh, and then um, uh, Damon's daughter, uh, he makes a prom in the living room for her and her boyfriend. That's, that, was that was very but sweet. That was very sweet. But she puts yeah. you 2 on as the first song to dance to. What so a fucking hipster, What the fuck man. is going on there? Uh, Steven Soderbergh doesn't know what kids There's, listen to. No, yeah. Thirteen-year-old girl knows what YouTube is. I mean, I know it came with the iPod that she played it on. Oh, she had no fucking choice, man. uh, And then we get this amazing, horrifying scene of the genesis. Yeah, the genesis of the disease and the bat getting its tree knocked down for a pig farm, carrying food and roosting in the roof of the pig farm, dropping the fruit. The pig eats it. The pig gets eaten and cut up by the chef. The chef goes hugs and shakes hands with Gwyneth Yeah, after Paltrow. he, like, wipes his hands off on his apron then goes out and, like, smears Gwyneth Paltrow's hands, right? I, I, I personally thought it was an interesting choice. I, if it was me directing, I would have gone with just cutting to a scene of Gwyneth Paltrow, a bat, and a pig having a threesome just, in a Chinese hotel room. Just sucking and fucking yeah. everywhere, man. <laughs> but She's gooping all over the this place. This got the point across as well. So. It did, it did. Not quite as well as Gwyneth getting, getting, being the piece of uh, meat between the white bread of a bat and a pig. <laughs> <laughs> oh, last podcast we ever do. <laughs> it's a metaphor for how all men are the, creeps or pigs, the too. Goop's lawyers are going to be all over <laughs> us to, to take this down. Yeah. It's okay. No one will ever listen to it, so it's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, a couple of things. So overall, I did, I did enjoy this movie. Um, the reason I don't think it really ever got the traction, um, despite its cast, 
It's the movie doesn't really have much of a soul. No, you know, it's very much, and, and, and that's kind it of kind of just a lot of stuff that happens. It's kind of by design. This is very much a movie of hey, this is what could happen if this happens. Here's some famous actors, so you're comfortable with everything while it's going on. Yeah, I right? do. I do like an ensemble cast where like the plot is the character. Like, sure, the virus is the character. Sure, the virus is the character. But like, I found that like it just. It's not the kind of movie that I don't think it'll like. It just doesn't like like it has the right cast and it's well made enough and it's acted well enough to, to hit those upper tiers of, of films. But I think you're just you just need to have a little bit more heart and soul in your movie. The only, I, heart, I agree. The only heart that you really saw is at the end when um, uh, Matt Damon gives the prom to his kids and the whole Lawrence Fishburne thing or whatever. And Marianne Cotillard, I totally forgot about her storyline. I didn't care about that in China. No, like that wasn't interesting to yeah, me. Yeah, get invested. So in that. like, other than that. She's super beautiful. Oh, she's absolutely stunning, gorgeous angel lady. Uh, but there's no like, there was no real plot to the movie beyond, hey, here's a virus, here you go, here's here's what could happen. It's very scary. I, I still was, enjoy it, was, it. It was like a horror movie for me. I enjoyed it on that level. Yeah, like, I, was I did. By the the negative events that were happening to everybody, but yeah, it's. I'd say all in all, horror, horror movies are you know typically pretty one dimensional and so all in all. All in all, it was a little like I can see how you know, considering like the body of work that Soderbergh is responsible for, I can see why this is second tier to Magic it's Mike. It's no XXL. magic. It's no Magic Mike. <laughs> Double XL. That's for sure. <laughs> the sequel. <laughs> but no, seriously, like it's it's a good flick. I especially now, I think it's on all the major streaming platforms right now, of course, and everyone's fucking watching it. So I say watch it, like check it out. Trying to let it scare the fucking shit out of you, but also take some lessons. Don't touch your face three thousand times a day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so what do you what do you rate uh, the movie? I give it I give it four drops of four Scythia. Four drops of four Scythia. Uh, five. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna give mine uh, one dead child out of two children. <laughs> All right. All right. We'll be back when we talk about uh, outbreak. talk about outbreak. Suck it. Wait, hang on. Uh, so before we get into um, our next movie, uh, Outbreak, I just wanted to ask you a question as a, as a football fan. Isn't it going to be fucking weird seeing Tom Brady playing with another team? Oh, my God. Like, I can't believe it. The Tampa Bay. <laughs> I just heard this morning. Like, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. One man. of my teams. Florida team, Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers. We're going to talk about sports sometimes on I mean, this podcast. I don't podcast. really like Tom Brady, so. Uh, yeah, who? Nobody likes Tom Brady. Yeah. He's this fucking clown, but he's the best. Yeah. Right? So, uh, yeah, I think it's hilarious um, that Tom Brady, next time football starts up again, hopefully on schedule, uh, we're going to see Tom Brady. What a playing. shift in uniform, too, right? Like, yeah. It's so like a bright, very brightly colored uniform compared yeah, to. Yeah, it's a big. His, so, uh, what happened to Jameis Winston then? They just Navy gave up on him? Adjacent. Uh, <laughs> they, just, they gave up on Jameis Winston then, I guess? I guess. He was yeah. the first overall pick. I know. Yeah. And I it, thought he was pretty is good. Is he going second string? Are they going to dump him? I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see, but yeah. uh, I am very. So, is this the end of the Patriots era then? I, it, I think it's got to be. Um, it seemed like it already was this season. Well, here's the thing: they traded Garoppolo, right? So he's so they don't have a backup now. So I don't know who they're. But they, did they draft a quarterback? I think they did. Who? The Patriots. Patriots? Ah, uh, they must have. What are you gonna just? Okay, who is their backup? I forget. This year, I have no idea. I didn't follow them this year. Talking Patriots, my weakest area of football yeah. I, my little brother, my little brother's team. I'll ask him. But yeah, I just wanted to bring that up. I thought that was so weird. I uh, I guess I haven't really been following sports at all, so I also just saw that. Well, yesterday. I mean, the the twenty twenty uh, season is going to be really interesting when you know a tenth of the world's population is dead and uh, all these teams are playing for empty stadiums. You know, for the next 
couple of years. Jesus Christ, man. That is bleak. Okay, you want to lead us into our next uh, motion picture here? Yeah, so the other movie, the other virus movie we watched is... The classic. The 1995 prequel to Planet of the Apes, Outbreak. <laughs> uh, a, a movie from a time when we thought the disease would come from dirty, dirty animals instead of from the cesspool that is human society. Well, I think that this, I think that the pangolin caused this recently. Pangolin? Yeah. yeah. So not, not that's not mm. just a cute way of saying penguin. That's a armadillo kind of thing. <laughs> that is also how I say penguin, though. Uh, pangolin. What is that from uh, the March of the Penguins or whatever with Benedict Cumberbatch? He's narrating it. And he says penguin really weird. I, I don't know. Penguin. I didn't. Uh, penguin. People know what I'm talking about. I, I don't know. I didn't see that. Uh, I didn't see that. I didn't see the movie. So uh, yeah, what a fucking awesome movie. Yeah. Right? Outbreak is rad. I have a lot to say about Outbreak. The, the mid '90s might be the most fun era of filmmaking. I just, well, I've never. Every time I think I'm not gonna like a movie that we watch from the '90s, I end up fucking loving it. Well, by the end. There's always violence. The music is always intense, and this movie, like a bunch of them, has just dude, a stacked cast. This movie had a fucking helicopter chase. Oh yeah, the helicopter. A helicopter. The helicopter chase. budget in this movie is wild. Dude, they were all real helicopters. Too. No CGI no. bullshit helicopters. No, man. they're doing stunt work and shit. Dude, they got they go fucking, under that bridge. They got helicopters. They have helicopters for days in this movie. Oh yeah. Uh, so and also uh, a time just like we, another nineties movie we watched, Broken Arrow. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, also a time when uh, we also thought that the disease was going to come from dirty, dirty Africa instead of <laughs> yeah. dirty, dirty China, because <laughs> Ebola was all the rage. Yeah, the pariah of the of the decade, Africa. Uh, Ebola was hot. It was in the hot zone. So I fucked up. I thought this was based on a Michael Crichton novel. It's not. It's based on a Richard Preston book called The Hot Zone. Okay. But it's very Crichton-y. Do you agree? Well, because he did uh, both Congo and uh, the, the Andromeda Strain. The, the Sphere. Right? The Sphere. Yeah, and the Andromeda Strain. Yeah, yeah. which are all... The, you mix the three of those together. You yeah, get, and all those movies are... All, and all those stories are when you, when, you go, when you go out and you get your guy to contain it, just like this. Like Dustin Hoffman, of all, of all people, you know, is the guy. So it's not the CDC, it's the military this time. Yeah. Yeah, it's the, exactly. Yeah, it's a military operation. So uh, they go. So so they go to oh Africa. Yeah, so it starts out in nineteen six July nineteen sixty seven in the Motaba River Valley of Zaire, which is now the Congo. Yeah, is it? Is that yeah? Okay. Zaire's the Congo. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I remember thinking, why Zaire and not the Congo? <laughs> there we go. What a funny made up name for a country, Zaire. Zaire. I think Zaire actually has a. I know it's a it's got a terrible colonial legacy attached to it, but I think it's got a nicer ring to it than the Congo. Congo's racist. Congo's like Congo. Yeah. Like I feel, it just feels like you're trying to make a caricature out of a black African person. Whereas Zaire is kind of like sounds like an evil. Thank God it didn't play, take place in Niger or whatever. Niger. <laughs> excuse, excuse me. <laughs> wow. Hopefully this makes it past the censors. Um, so yeah, huge cast. Like okay, let's 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 just rattle some of the names off here: yeah. Dustin Hoffman, Rene Russo, Morgan Freeman. Uh, Kevin Spacey, Donald Sutherland, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr., Patrick Dempsey, Doctor Doctor McDreamy, okay, <laughs> with that hair, that fucking hairdo that he had in it, man, yeah, with like it's puffed out of the sides, but it's slicked back at the top in a ponytail. Donald Sutherland looks looks real crazy in this movie. To well, me that's too. because after the apocalypse, he starts the Hunger Games. Remember? Right. <laughs> he's, he's getting set up. That's why he's trying to cultivate the disease, I guess. Yeah, so yeah. The, the world's population. That's a whole other side plot we'll get into. So at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, they go to Africa. 
where this outbreak is happening. And we assume it's a young Donald Sutherland and a young Morgan Freeman covered by big suits. You don't know at the time, but now you assume that. Yeah, well, you hear their... Come on, it's his voice. You can hear Donald Sutherland's oh, his voice. Oh, I didn't that. Is it? Yeah. yeah, and, they, and they're like, okay, well, we're going we're gonna to bring you uh, an aid package. And they drop a fucking bomb I, on them. Well, that, before even that, like, the way it's shot, like, the way they show the landscapes and everything, it's just... It looks so 90s. It's so beautiful. Like, that's my first note was, ah, the 90s. Well, like, there's no CG, really. I don't, like, I don't really there know is, there are There are, like, a dollops of CG here and there, yeah. and we'll get into that, too. Um, like, one scene in particular that I thought was a great example of early CGI being effective. But just let me digress real quick. Let's talk about the films of Wolfgang Peterson. Okay. The director of this movie, um, I Did, believe. Look it up. I believe. Me. I believe German. <laughs> uh, Wolfgang mm. uh, could be wrong about that. Uh, this guy directed the Never Ending Story, um, oh. In the Line of Fire, The Perfect Storm, uh, Troy. Okay. Like this guy knows, and I'm missing a uh, Das Boot. I think was his pr- first picture, right? The famous German Duo movie. Ever escalating tension. <laughs> And, yeah, uh, epicness. Yeah. yeah, four hours of escalating tension. I, we'll get into that. Uh, anyway, well, big big time director. This guy knows how to handle a large palette. Like that's not an issue for him, right? Yeah. Like he's clearly he shows. In, he's clearly in control of all the actors on set. I also just feel like this movie feels huge and real. It feels huge and real. It feels like they had like even though they had a fifty million dollar budget, which by I'm sure today's standards would be like a seventy or eighty million dollar budget. Oh, okay, I got it. It was uh, fifty million dollars and gross was hundred ninety million. I had mine at hundred ninety eight. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so go. that's a huge hit. Um, yeah, it's a huge hit. It was a. Yeah. I saw this movie when so, I was a kid. I never remember. Sorry, it, we'll, but we'll, I we'll, go, we'll jump back into the plot. So yeah. they're, uh, they're in Africa and they have to eradicate this bug in 1967 and they drop a bomb on there, which they, is one of the coolest fucking bomb they scenes. Sh- they sure do. It just vaporizes uh, everybody. It is. Uh, oh, I, I wrote down the name of it somewhere, but. Uh, it's called a fuel air bomb the most explosive non-nuclear weapon available is that a thing can we we confirm it I believe it is well there are there are absolutely fuel air bombs yeah air bombs like that that like suck all the oxygen out of a space like the uh, what's that the MOBA the mother of all bombs that they used in like Afghanistan and Iraq that's that's from from a video game no no that's real that's that's one that drilled into the Bunkers, right? Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bunker buster bomb. Bunker busters. So yeah, yeah, so they call it the the most explosive non-nuclear weapon available. And so I wanted to ask you, Nathan, what do you think is the second most explosive non-nuclear weapon available? Because I think it's love. Um, hand grenade. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, hand grenade. <laughs> love, yeah, definitely loves. <laughs> if you want to, want to call love a weapon, <laughs> it's gonna weaponize love. <laughs> um. So yeah. So they dropped this. Uh, air or whatever bomb and it vaporizes it fucking awesome it's so cool it is <laughs> so cool gets blown let's uh specifically in half like I'm, gonna go, I'm actually gonna go ahead and throw that on right now just uh, so we can show our reaction to how <laughs> fucking cool this stuck with me like this is one of the moments because when i saw this when i was a kid on on vhs right because this movie came out in the 90s this is one of the moments from this movie that stuck with me where i was like yeah i fucking remember uh this scene from Outbreak where they blow everybody up at the beginning. It's like, there is a real explosion there somewhere. And then also... Oh, they CGI it up a little bit. They CGI it up a little bit, but it looks great. It's a good combination. They gussy it up? Here we go. Boom! Oh, look at that guy. No, that's the guy. It gets blown in half. Oh, yeah. All these miniatures. It looks like the nuclear bomb scene from T2. It does, on a smaller scale. Yeah. No, that's rad. That is super fucking cool. Yeah, yeah what a Miniatures great... Miniatures. What fucking, a great explosion. What a great way to kick off this fucking awesome movie, man. It's because it was made in 1995. Made in the 90s, which is the best. That's how you start. Uh, 
A so, lesson to all you modern filmmakers. Another thing I like that I like to note about this is that the male and female leads in the grand tradition of Dustin Hoffman in movies, he's divorced. They're divorced, <laughs> and they've got <laughs> that. sad a little bit, and they got that acrimonious like, "Come on, you know how you are, Harry." And he's like, "But, but, but I just love my work so much." One of them's still in love with the other, of course, but the other one still kind of has. Did they break up because she realized that she's a five ten blonde bombshell and he's like a five seven weird looking Jewish guy? Or I, I think so. I think so. I think she realized that. <laughs> <laughs> Dustin Hoffman, what a crazy like career arc this guy has had, man. Yo, okay, hang on, I gotta say something about that. So, this, I'm, I'm such a fucking low class individual. You're right. I, Agreed. I know. Who, Agreed. Uh, yeah. No, yeah. no argument from anybody in the room. Putting silent as, as well over there. Official mascot. I. I have no, I have no taste. I think it's pretty apparent by the choices in movies that we pick. Close. I know who Dustin Hoffman is. Like he's a household name, you know, for my generation. I looked him up. Like his works, what is most best known for on Wikipedia. So many great films. I have seen basically none of them. (laughs) I I know Dustin Hoffman. You've never seen The Graduate. I know Dustin Hoffman. No, I know Dustin Hoffman from Hook and the Kung Fu Panda movies. Those would be my two greatest works that I know Dustin Hoffman from. Okay, so you don't you don't watch Meet the Fockers? <laughs> no. That's a main I'm just taking the mainstream ones. Yeah, well what else is he did he did a bunch of like like Oscar nominated films, right? Yeah, the Rain Man. Rain Man. And oh, I mean like I know of Rain Kramer Man. I've never Kramer. sat down you and never watched saw it. that? I've, I've never, I've, I know all these movies because they're you asked heavily me about, referenced in The Simpsons. You asked me about Marathon Man, and I was like, Don, don't bother. It didn't age well. Yeah, there you yeah. go. I almost just watched Marathon Man for the first time. He kind of was, like, when he was younger, he was definitely, like, a handsomer guy. Like, you know, he had nice charcoal black hair and olive skin, right? But, like, definitely as he got older, it was harder to believe that he was, like, he, he was definitely, like, a Woody Allen thing, you know, where yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. he's betting these beautiful... Like, I, Rene Russo is so you, hot in this You can movie. tell me if I'm wrong, but he looks to me like one of those guys that looks like he would, looked like he was 40 since he was like 25 100% yeah yeah uh, you've never seen uh, uh, The Graduate Mrs. Robinson are you trying to seduce me yeah see I know that I know that reference I've seen that scene but I've never actually sat down and oh man what a, well, you've, if you've seen The Simpsons or Wayne's World 2 you've basically seen that movie anyway right yeah so. Kramer versus Kramer Mrs. Bouvier <laughs> <laughs> Uh, wow, where were we? Oh yeah, so <laughs> Dustin Hoffman is divorced from Rene Russo, and he's got to uh, he's got to go to back to the Motaba Valley. Is that what it is? Uh, Motaba. Motaba. Motaba uh, River Valley in Z- still Zaire, I think. Where's uh-huh. the Congo now? No, they keep saying they keep Zaire. saying Zaire. Zaire so it's not the Congo yet. Um, and they have to it's, go he's there. Missing what he what he calls a hemorrhagic virus. Hemorrhagic fever, which is actually yeah. a thing, right? Uh, so they go there, and it's very similar to. Um, and with their young, with Kevin Spacey, who's the sarcastic, effete yeah, so it, uh, this is, sidekick. This is where we're on the plane and we meet the Kevin, crew. Kevin Spacey and Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah. Uh, so pre-Oscar Cuba. Yeah, and Kevin Spacey, uh, like, doing his best impression of his own fantasy date. Like, yeah. he, he looks like he's he's got blonde dyed hair. He looks like he's reading teen, like, fucking non-threatening boy magazine and listening yeah. to the tapes of Corey, you know. Yeah, yeah, he definitely <laughs> looks like... The way that I think Kevin Spacey thinks the world saw him eating a chocolate bar, you know, like a dick. No one saw him as a as a as an arrogant predator, but as a young teenage boy. Yeah, his, <laughs> if he had any say in that look, he has such a false impression of himself. <laughs> I thought it was great. I thought he was great in it. Like he was. I, yeah, his character. I mean, was the charming. unfortunate part about Kevin Spacey is that he is a truly phenomenal entertainer, and you and you're, and you're typically magnetized by his presence on screen, right? Like, yeah, man. Yeah, he's, he's, he, well, he's. <laughs> 
like he's you people have their rise and fall. He's been in he's been relevant for thirty years or something. Not twenty years. Quite no, I'd say probably uh, since uh, when did Swimming with Sharks come out? That was his big breakout. So ninety two or ninety three, I think. Yeah. When he left the stage for so this is about We're old Nathan. So, it's twenty twenty right. So this now. is the same year. I know this is the same year that he would have won an Oscar for the usual suspects. This is a big year for Kevin Spacey. He's in all these blockbusters. He's winning Oscars. This is the beginning for him, let's say. Yeah. Right? Beginning of Kevin Spacey. But Dustin Hoffman... And he was like, I want to roll where pus can come out of my eyeballs. That was fucking gross. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they go down to Africa. They, they meet up with the local village chieftain. Dustin Hoffman is immediately alarmed by how virulent this is. It's got a 100% mortality rate, Yeah, says. I wrote that down. A 100% mortality rate. So you know this is serious. Um, Even the local juju man is uh, worried about it. I thought they were going to go a little bit further into the medicine they man. They never go back to him. I, th- I thought they were really... There's got to be uh, some... Some cutting room floor, but he says it's it's the, the curse or whatever, a ghost from the jungle, right? Because man is well, cutting I think down trees. What it is is that we're not supposed to fuck around with those types of animals. Yeah, man. well, that's the the same thing in Contagion, right? It's, okay, so we're burying the lead here. Yeah. Essentially, the host is this monkey, <laughs> who I believe is also played by the same monkey from, who played from Friends? Marcel on Friends. Oh my god, I was gonna say I was gonna say let's call him Marcel from now on. No, he's but the same monkey. so we're gonna call him he's Marcel. A, he's a capuchin monkey. Yeah. So yeah, henceforth known as Marcel. Marcel the monkey. Um, um, so Marcel uh, gets brought back, uh, and then this is this is the best. This is the best fucking comedy of errors. The best like circums like happenstance, like just the way that everything falls into place is. Are you talking about like the guy? Yeah. So Patrick Dempsey has got this special deal. That's right. Doctor McDreamy is like this young kind of like unscrupulous guy with a heart of gold, kind of like a scoundrel kind of guy. They kind of position him right uh, with the best hairdo ever, um, and he has like a deal with this customs guy to smuggle animals out to sell at this pet store, uh-huh. right? Like what kind of a fucking racket is that? Like who's got this racket? Yeah, baby, I'm pulling an extra cool 500 on the side. Fully portrayed with like my selling heroin with my black China. market, my black market animal side action I have going on here. So yeah, he sells the monkey. That, that way it shows the monkey getting into him. It's like the monkey drinks uh, from a water bottle and bl- spits water in his face, and yeah. you see him going, Ugh, ew, gross, and you're like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. Oh, and this is the best. So he and then so it shows him spreading it. So he gets on a plane goes to Boston where his uh, girlfriend is and gives her just the most open mouth fucking kiss I have ever seen it made me uncomfortable like it, it, I wrote down the grossest kiss since the last scene in uh, Pet Cemetery. Oh, yeah. When, uh, yeah, 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 with the dead the husband body. makes yeah. out with Denise Crosby while her jaw is melting off. Yeah, that's right. Um, the thing is, I wrote this down, like, this, the, this virus makes people look so fucking sick, no one in their right mind would go anywhere near them. No, like, his eyes are like bloodshot. Yeah, he's he's almost bleeding from the eyes, and his lips are like white with like powder around them. But he is Dr. McDreamy, like, so I'm sure like the... A zombie. So I'm sure the actress, like, in that moment was like, oh, sweet, I get to make out with... I mean, he wasn't on Grey's Anatomy yet, but he was still an actor, and I'm sure she looks back at that and tells our friends, oh, yeah, I made out with uh, Dr. McDreamy in this uh-huh. movie once, you know, but it's quite... And then her friends watching go, ew. <laughs> like, what the fuck? So wet. It's not real. <laughs> it's it's a, It was a wet, a wet kiss. I'm glad that you also... I'm glad you also took note of that, man. Oh, it was upsetting. Um... <laughs> 
um, yeah, that's so a little bit before that. So that all that plays out there. Um, they f- get the virus under a microscope. Oh, they go through the different biosafety levels at. Uh, the that's CDC. at the beginning, right? Or it's like level yeah. four. I thought that was kind of cheesy, it's actually. Four of the levels. I thought that was kind of lame. They all look too small to be the real. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's labs, like right? Four little rooms. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, like the, it's like the facility from Goldeneye. Yeah, totally. Like I think that the C- I would hope the CDC has got larger facilities than that to uh, investigate. Um, we're talking about the CDC in Atlanta, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so so he he gets sick. He looks like he's dying. Then the pet store guy, he no, or is over. it a guy in an airport? Somebody kills the pet over. store guy kills over. Yeah, yeah. And they take him in. Uh, they get him on the table. Uh, he's going into shock or whatever. He's dying. The doctor says, uh, "Looks like toxic shock." So he dies. It, it, you know, I thought it was a virus, but he says it looks like toxic shock. So I guess it's just that he actually left his tampon in uh, his butt too long and died of toxic shock syndrome. But eventually, people start dying of the actual virus. Yeah, so that was just that was a coincidence. You definitely was a tampon-related uh, illness. But which uh, happens? Stay but, safe out there. So this is a little bit different. We should qualify this a little bit, saying this is not this is not a virus that's supposed to be like uh, the one in contagion or COVID, like a a novel flu uh, virus. This is a uh, which I just it's just a fancy word of saying new. This is like a straight up Ebola type virus that just like kills you in a day or two, right? Yeah, this is a specific <clears throat> like animal virus. It's a bloodborne virus. Bloodborne. Yeah, so these ones are a little different, right? Like this I is more know, like... I don't know if they ever get into like specifically what it attacks. They do do an autopsy on the pet store guy and the doctor says the phrase, it looks like a bomb went off inside him. Yeah, because so, your organs look So I guess it's necrotic. Like, Because well, no, what happens with those types of viruses is that your your systems shut down, your or, your internal organs start to like degrade, right? Right, It's okay. like your kidneys start to mush so up. So it's not and, exactly flesh eating it's just no that's different that's a staph infection system shut that's so so flesh eating that's a bacteria that's not a virus yeah that's staph right that's a that's a that's a serious bacteria that's really resistant to like antibiotics and stuff uh this is virulent this would be virulent as well right what was the what was the quote at the beginning oh yeah yeah yeah. right yeah there's a quote at the beginning so uh the single biggest threat to man's continued dominance on the planet is the virus that's so fucking 90s. Yeah. Like, that's the most 90s thing ever. Just... Yeah. Man thinks he's the top of the roost, but he hasn't met the virus. Oh, it's just... No. The, 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 key, the homework of 90s movies is how high can you make the stakes and put them there in the first five seconds yeah. of your movie? So... Um, so this kind of like so what what you kind of think this is this is what this is what makes this movie a fucking masterpiece is what what you think is gonna be like a little is he on his way no really uh, what you think is gonna be like kind of a typical uh, virus kind of movie is like takes a complete and total left turn you think it's gonna play out kind of like Contagion where oh here's the virus oh these are all the people trying to contain it oh some people are dying of it no it has to throw in a plot where there's a secret government conspiracy to weaponize the previous right. strain yeah. that they discovered in the 60s Layers. and they even had a cure for it right and then once this virus hits the small California town and so this is the CGI the guy's coughing in the movie theater and it follows his like cough particles around Okay, so so that's happening. Simultaneously, they're discussing the case of the guy in the airport right. and uh, one other person. Like, they've caught, like, a few cases of people that yeah. haven't, and they're panicking. And uh, Rene Russo is with her crew of scientists, and they figure out, they decide that it's contained. So uh, she goes... Uh, there's no more cases at Boston Municipal. We're in the clear. Yeah, they're and all cheering. Yeah. Like, Woo! 
Ooh, she's, yeah. she's, she's wearing a flight suit and she's standing behind a big banner that says mission accomplished and everybody's just celebrating. Yeah. Why did it feel like they were at mission control in Houston when she made that announcement, <laughs> yeah. right? Like that was so bizarre. And then a fax comes in over the line. <laughs> oh wait. Oh no. We have another outbreak. Oh, I guess we shouldn't have thrown all our shit in the air so quick. Yeah, I just fucking threw my phone. Yeah. I just cheated on my wife. <laughs> I got away with it. Yes. Oh really? Oh damn. Uh, yeah, so that's all going on. They finally so then it turns so obviously Dustin Hoffman has to go rogue and be like no you no you have to stop the virus wait talk about like the the, the scene in the movie theater right oh so like, good so, so yeah. oh yeah when he's stumbling out he's and everyone's like, like fucking touching everybody yeah god this is before self-isolation I guess like the, the, their social distancing you yeah. know like it's just so gross like it really Contagion actually did it worse I didn't mention that before but like it really just portrays how gross we all are and how much we touch shit and share things together and push the same buttons and like you know we don't even we don't think about it right yeah so yeah in this one they don't really in this one they don't get any of that because what happens is the virus mutates and becomes fucking airborne yeah. Right. So it's not like you know, like with COVID, where you have to touch someone's smear to get the to get the the virus. Right. It's transmitted through bodily fluids. Like it can't break through your skin. This one, you can fucking cough and cough, and someone walks through your cough, they got it. Right. Yeah. And remember, one hundred percent mortality rate. So, so everyone who catches it dies. So it infects this uh, small town that was transported from nineteen sixty three Oklahoma to nineteen nineties California. Totally. Totally. <laughs> like, who are those people, man? They're all just hicks. They're all wearing like. Plaid button downs and cowboy. They're hats. in Northern California. They'd all be like, they'd all be like fucking Sunshine Coast, like hippies, kind of. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. They wouldn't be like like basement weed, suite costs. Be like weed. Thousand dollars a month. Be like weed now. growing fucking barons over there, man. Yeah. Like it's not. Yeah. It's yeah, very, it is, right. That would be like like fucking. It's not. Yeah. It's yeah. It's not. They're they're. Their vision of what a small town in Northern California would look like was very funny. I did notice that as well. Very beautiful, though. Picturesque. It is beautiful. Yeah. This whole movie is beautiful. It's really, really like rich blues and rich greens and like really nice looking movie for sure. Really utilize the mountains and forests of California. Yeah. With the, and with the helicopter shots and everything. Oh, well, we haven't even got there yet. Um, so anyway, all this is, while this is all going on, Dustin Hoffman's uncovering this plot. Um, so he's got to go on the run with... Uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. just try and like you know uh, get the get the get the facts while while, while Rene Russo's figured Rubble, out. Rubble? Sorry, while Rene Russo's figured out that it's a monkey who's got the um, virus. Did she figure that out or did Dustin Hoffman figure it out? Uh, so someone figures out Marcel's got the is the they, host. Yeah, they eventually track down the whole plot of the selling of yeah. monkeys to this pet store. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, and they finally, like, through, like, sheer luck, they're like, oh, the guy leaned on a security guard. He fessed up about the, you know, about the monkey getting sold. And then so they figure out that it's this guy. Oh, and they, like, they realize that the that there's two strains. The monkey is carrying two strains of the virus. It's carrying the original one and the mutated one. Right. Which is Yeah, really that's weird. what it is. So that he, he, yeah he's carrying both of them and he, so he's a carrier so he's got the antibodies in yeah. him that they can synthesize a cure from right um yeah am I skipping ahead if I go talk about that part so he and Cuba are like going rogue and like busting into like they bust into a what a newsroom at one yeah. point and like broadcast on the news then they bust into some other place because like they're Cuba with the gun the whole time yeah. like swinging it around it, that was it's so like a good. port authority or something yeah. they're trying to like get information on the boat that could have been carrying it and there's this 
amazing. You must have noted this too. This amazing exchange with the lady where they're trying to figure out the boat that was carrying the monkey and. Uh, He's like, uh, well, we're never going to find Pan- it. It's already on its way back to... Mrs. Pananides or yeah. something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what it was. Mrs. Yeah. Pananides. Pananides. Yeah. <laughs> so, she... But the fucking... Where did that character come from, I, man? What? Like, what's with the crazy name choice? It's like fucking crumb whatever in... Uh, Thanks, Benevin Stanciano. Yeah. <laughs> so, but like, this, this bit of dialogue... She, they're like, oh, it's this boat. We know this is the one. It's got the monkey on it. How are we going to find it? It's probably halfway back to Korea by now. And it's like, oh, we need like the Coast Guard or something. And then she pipes up. Mrs. Pendanides pipes up. She's like, I got a friend in the Coast Guard. I can make a call real easy. And then. Must be a good friend. It's kind that his wife doesn't like him. Yeah, doesn't hop and goes, uh, he goes, how close a friend? And she goes, closer than his wife would like. Like, what? (laughs) Who the fuck is Miss Pendanides? Where did she come from? I want to see that movie. She's say, yeah, I want to see the fucking Miss Pananides. Miss, Miss, I'm going to assume it's a Miss Pananides fucking story. life story. This fucking home record. My, my, my favorite thing about that is she says, the first thing she says is, I got a friend in the Coast Guard. I could make a call real easy. Why does he need to dig into it? Why does he ask her how close a friend? It's not relevant. She already said she's going to help you. Well, because then we don't know what a fucking whore she is. Like, how close a friend? You fucking? Are you fucking this friend? Are you sticking it? Is this friend sticking it in? Miss Pananides? Miss Pananides? (laughs) That's just such a, like, hilariously Greek name. (laughs) It is, yeah. Miss Pananides. It's like Pandaninis? I had a hard time. I had to read about that a couple of times. Pananides, yeah. (laughs) Scandalous. Uh, yeah, that's that was hilarious. Uh, then uh, they finally find out where this monkey is because this woman realizes that her child has who's been drawing pictures of this monkey she's been playing with in the forest. It's talking about Marcel. They go there. All these things have to fall into place so perfectly. Oh, it's so crazy. You know, that's so yeah. 90s right there. Like when he lets that monkey off into the <laughs> forests of Northern California, I, my first thought was... You, well, you're never seeing that monkey again. Like, there's no fucking way in hell. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I forgot about the part where Patrick Dempsey was <laughs> like, all right, go free. We forgot to mention what You're that. free now. Yeah. You're free. Go out in there. Just like the jungle's back home. Thank God I can finally pay for medical school with all this money I'm making on black market animals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the part you didn't see. He was doing it to put his girlfriend through. Uh, no, he's doing it himself through medical school so he can become Dr. McDreamy in the future. Ah. You can see where I was going with that. You need to tighten up with that if this is going to be... <laughs> podcast going to be successful. I got some research to do. All right. Yeah, yeah. Research. You don't need to know what happens on Grey's Anatomy, Chris. You just have to be aware of it, okay? That's fair. All right. It's a fair accusation. Um, yeah. Uh, okay, so... They, uh, did we also go get the... I wrote the most intense speech, uh, like a, a monologue I've ever seen in a movie, I think, when the president is justified. Well, that's not the president. Okay, I, was, I, I had that. No, that wasn't the president. That was J.T. Walsh. Okay. The great, the late, the, I think, I think, well, I think he's still alive, or he died recently. But yeah, he's a great actor, and he, uh, he always plays that role in those movies. He's always a military guy or whatever, right? He is fucking, and he is just going for it, man. Swinging for the like, fences. I wonder if we can find. In I the w- end, he screams. These are not statistics. These are flesh and blood, and their images should haunt you until the that, day you I, die. I think that we should play that speech. Well, hang on. Let, let, let's cut that clip in here, right? Can we, is that technology that we have? Can I say, hey, let's cut that clip in, no. and then we just stop talking for a couple seconds, and then we start talking again? If this was a more high-end operation, I think I'd be able to accommodate that. But come on, we'll just ins- play it. Instead, you're just going to listen to us Google it. No, I have so it. Hang tight. I have it with the, uh, I have the movie. <laughs> I have the movie oh, here. Well. 
have the movie right here. We just have to find that. Uh, oh, there's the helicopter chase. It's before this, we haven't mentioned that yet. We haven't mentioned the helicopter chase. We'll get there. The infamous helicopter chase. I'd still say it's. Oh yeah, and then we have to talk about Briggs, the guy who they pick on, <laughs> the whole who just Donald Sutherland just treats like trash. Just treats one of the, that another actor who only plays military characters in movies. <laughs> I think it's a bit before that. I think it's almost in the like, middle. Where is it here? Where? Where? Yeah. So I think we're somewhere around here. Well, it's when they start, like, theorizing. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, there we go. There's that super depressing scene with the family where they take the wife away. The, like, yeah. the young wife. She's like, it's okay, kids. I'm just going to be gone for a couple of days. Oh, wait, before we do it, this scene is fucking <coughs> hilarious. Oh, yeah. This, Nothing happens to Canada. This Yeah, the graphic of what would happen to the, the spread of the disease over the United States. Over 48 hours, it goes from little red dots in the major cities to every square inch of the map of America being red. 48 hours. The <laughs> procedure must be viewed objectively. Be compassionate, but be compassionate globally. Is this that change? Yeah. All right, all right, please, please. The president's ETA from the East Asian Economic Summit is about 20 hours from now. He wants a recommendation by then from this group. Now, as I understand it, you want to firebomb the town of Cedar Creek, California, population 2,600, with something called a fuel air bomb, the most powerful non-nuclear weapon in our arsenal. The way it works, it explodes, sucks in all available oxygen to the core, vaporizes everything within a mile of ground zero, men, women, children, and one airborne virus. Destruction complete, case closed, crisis over. This Constitution of the United States, I've read it cover to cover. I don't find anything in it about vaporizing 2,600 American citizens. But it does say several times that no person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process. So, a couple things before clean sweep is even considered. One, unanimous, unwavering support for the president on this one. And I mean public. You're going to stand there shoulder to shoulder with him. He goes down, you go down. And the second thing is, I want an army of experts citing hundreds and thousands of lab experiments telling any idiot with a camera that there was no other way. You got that? Hmm? No member of this government is going to go sneaking off to the Washington Post telling them how they were the sole voice of opposition. If there is a voice of opposition out there, I want him in here. Now, those are the citizens of Cedar Creek. Go on, look at them. These are not statistics, ladies and gentlemen. They're flesh and blood. Oof. And I want you to burn those into your memories. Because those images should haunt us till the day we die. I'm going get, to get, take to the streets right now. Oh, man. So a couple highlights from that uh, uh, are the part where he takes his jacket off before he starts walking around the boardroom table. Because he's about to go off. And when he pulls uh, a copy of the U.S. Constitution. <laughs> slaps it on the table. Out of his back pocket. Goes, U.S. Constitution. Oh, I'll read it. Cover to cover. Just throws it on the table like... I keep a copy of my pair of U.S. Constitution and all my pairs of pants. Because <laughs> anyone pulls me over and tries to violate my rights. Or anyone tries to quiz me on various parts of the Constitution, they are suggesting that I do not know through and through. Because I assure you I do keep a pair, uh, copy of the Constitution in my pants. <laughs> yeah, um, very, very strange. Love that, though. Love J.T. Walsh. He's great. That was his only scene in the movie. 
That's his only scene in the movie is that one scene where he just fucking brings it. Um, yeah, man. So, I, I, so anyway, performance. Uh, we could do that to a part where later on uh, they do finally, um, they do finally find the monkey. There's a very tense scene where they have to lure it to the girl, and Cuba Gooding Jr. has to shoot it with a tranquilizer gun. Yeah, <laughs> and they get it, and then Donald Sutherland wants. I, to- I, at that point, I had a. Well, I noted growing concern for the animals on the set of this movie. There's a lot of like monkeys in cages getting shaken around and slammed on tables and stuff. That one monkey, the one that's got the disease that eventually recovers, is like asleep. Like I don't know how they got him to do it, but he's like dying, so he's laying down and kind of rolling around. Oh, they can, they they can like, train monkeys to do weird shit. I man, guess I'm sure, you know they can train fucking bears. I don't know. To do I'm, gonna, stuff. I'm not gonna look too deep into it. <laughs> Rest assured, I'm gonna get all the facts on that stunt monkey that they used. <laughs> Um, so they do, and then they have the most awesome helicopter, out of the blue helicopter chase I have ever seen in a movie, which is all practical. Like, it's all oh, real yeah. helicopter. Yeah, total awesome stunt work. It's fucking great. There's no, they like, go, they go under a bridge. He does, like, a loop-de-loopy thing. Like, it's really, really good. It's and a real low flying. That's one of those kind of helicopters they use. They used to use those for shooting movies all the time because they're so maneuverable. Yeah. But uh, they use them for stunt like tricks. Like, and then I think it was a couple of uh, Blackhawks that yeah. were chasing him, right? right so yeah. that was fucking badass. That was really cool. That definitely cemented it as like its transition from being kind of like a, a virus movie into being an action film. <laughs> you know, like it just kind of kind of just changed pace about partway through. And while this is all going on, Kevin Spacey's been infected. Uh, Rene Russo has been infected. Everyone's fucking dying, and Dustin okay. Hoffman's got to get that cure out last minute, right? Yeah. He's got to get that fucking cure. So they finally, finally, finally... Because they're planning to firebomb the town of Cedar Cedar Creek? Cedar Creek. Yeah. Yeah. Population 2,600. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean... I don't know. I, I, I truly stopped taking notes towards the end of this movie because I was yes. just enraptured in it. There's that great scene where they're about to bomb it and they decide to blockade them with their helicopter. Yeah. Really does not make too much logistical sense. No. Like, they could just fly over or under them. You know, it's, it's symbolic, okay? Space. But it is symbolic. Uh, we learn that, um, you know, uh, uh, Donald Sutherland is uh, truly evil, whereas... Um, uh, 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 Go on, his buddy Billy. Who's Billy? The, the other general. You mean Donald Sutherland? Oh, you mean uh, Briggs? Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah he bullies him. I was. I was like. I was thinking of. Um, okay. Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman's character. I. I have this thing. I figured out. I realized it while I was watching this movie. Where you're racist. And, uh... That you don't... You can't tell black people apart. I don't know if this happens to anybody else, but they just all look alike to me. I mean, I think because Cuba Gooding Jr. and Morgan Freeman are so far apart in age, you don't mix them up. But if, like, Donald... Like, if, like, Danny Glover was in this movie, I think we'd be fucking hopeless. It would just be a disaster. (laughs) No, some people... If you had to be like, Morgan... I mean, I mean, Danny... I mean, mean, Morgan Morgan Glover... Danny, Danny Freeman and... Truly, truly, some people, some actors, especially names, just don't stick in my head. And Morgan Freeman is one of those names. I, he's like a household name for most people, and I love him to death in so many things. And I can never pull up his name in my brain when I need to. Morgan Freeman? I, yeah, I don't know why. See, I don't think that Morgan Freeman is the shit. I think I've liked it. I mean, he's a good actor. I've liked him in a lot of movies. Like, he's fine in this one, but I don't like. I don't think that he's like exceptional. No, he's kind of one-dimensional. He's guys. pretty, he pretty, plays, one, pretty one-dimensional. He's mostly playing. That's Morgan why Freeman. I want to see Hard Rain because I've seen it in the trailers for that movie. It looks like he's a villain chewing the scenery. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so the resolution of this movie. 
and they get a, they get a cure at the last minute. They give it everybody. They uh, arrest Donald Sutherland. Uh, Rene Russo and Dustin Hoffman get back together? Question mark. I think so. Kevin Spacey's dead. Kevin Spacey's dead. Uh, she yeah, but she lives. Everyone lives. Uh, it's a happy ending. It's all gussied up in a in a neat little blanket. No lessons were learned. Um, <laughs> but uh, we learned something. Yeah. So and uh, so, we'll be back with well, that. Hang on, wait. No, you got we missed something. Nathan, what do you rate the movie? Oh. 1990 film, ninety five film, Outbreak. I give. Oh fuck, dude. I give Outbreak. Uh, uh, Five Marcells out of five. Yeah, yeah I give it uh, two out of two uh, black market monkeys. <laughs> All right. We'll be back we'll with be questions back. and uh, what we learned. <clears throat> I'm a man of few words. Any question? All right. All right. We're going to do some questions. So I, I didn't write any questions this week, so thankfully Chris wrote some questions. We don't communicate about this in advance, so we basically just keep rolling the no, dice we just each week to, to see if one of us came up with some questions. Sometimes it's me, sometimes it's Nathan. I just didn't, I, I don't know why. I, just, I blanked when I was trying to write some, but maybe I'll, maybe one will come to me while you're asking me yours. I only got two. If one comes, you throw it out there. Okay. I, I got two that I wrote down and another one that I forgot to write down. Importance of writing things down. Uh... So, um, what is the sickest you've ever been, Nathan? Uh, my appendix exploded when oh, I was 12. That's horrible. Yeah, I almost died. It sucked. Yeah. That was pretty bad. How about you? Uh, I mean, I got two that come to mind. I had the flu one time really bad. I mean, it's, it wasn't that extreme or anything, but I had, like, the highest temperature you'd have before you would go to the hospital for yeah. it. And I just... You know how, like, when you're really in a bad way, like, if you have... A hangover really bad or you're really sick or you haven't slept or whatever and you're just like you have media on like a movie or something and you're not take you're not laughing or yeah. grossing it you're but you're so aware of it uh, I just have this vivid memory it's like when I first moved out of my house and I'm sleeping on a futon bed and I'm just rolling around in the summer and I got an upstairs bedroom in a pile of my own sweat just dripping sweat oh, no. for like three hours and I watched two Cat Williams stand-up specials back-to-back. Oh, I remember on that. the early days of Netflix. <laughs> I remember Cat Williams. And uh, just rolling around, hearing all the jokes and thinking in my head, oh, yeah, that's funny. I can't laugh, but that's definitely funny. And just tossing and turning about it. Yeah, when I was uh, when I was in the hospital um, after my appendix surgery, because I, I live, we live in Canada, I had my own room with a TV and a VCR. Um, and I watched all the Star Trek movies start to finish. Uh, including Star oh, Trek. Oh yeah, there. That's a good one. Including Star Trek Five: The Final Frontier. When, I, when I was sick, my mom used to. Captain Kirk is climbing a mountain. Why is he climbing a mountain? Remember that? Kirk is climbing a mountain. Why is he climbing a mountain? Captain Kirk is climbing a mountain. Yeah, yeah that's that one, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that was terrible. Yeah, uh, my, my mom, when I was sick, used to put on all three of the Star Wars movies back to back. Oh, nice. VHS. That's awesome. Um. Uh. Okay. Another question. Uh. If right now we realize shit was hitting the fan and you got the opportunity, you're first in line to do a run on the grocery store, you just to get to get in there and you get, you got, you got, you don't know what's going to happen. People are rushing in behind you and you're going to have to go back and hole up in your place to stay safe from the disease. What's the first sec- department or item that you like rush to and grab? Like, I want to say toilet paper, but just seems wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, like, I don't know, like probably rice. Yeah. Yeah, I thought about that, right? Grab a big bag of rice. Uh, I would try I got, to grab some, probably some water. Cat food. Cat food. Aw. 
You hear that, Puddin? No, she doesn't. Oh, like, not she doesn't care. She's never here when it matters. She doesn't care about me. I only care about her. No, that's not true. She's, um, she's a very nice cat. Uh, I don't know. Like, I would, I would honestly just I would worry about the essentials. I wouldn't worry about anything extra. Like, I wouldn't worry about batteries. I wouldn't worry about hand sanitizer. Like, what's that going to do for you when the shit hits the fan? Right? No, if it'd be food, food and water. Like, I'd be buying stuff that like flushes out real well, like I mean, pasta and. Like, and I get my I get my place right. Like, even though there's no power, I get to come back here, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah. 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 So, I assume there's no power. Uh, and then, um, what other other than every zombie plague and these two movies that we watched this week? What is the scariest disease or the disease that you would not want to get from another film? Hey, twenty eight days later, that one just looks awful. Is that kind of a zombie? Like it is, but like I mean, it redefined the zombie. Do you mean zombie. not counting a zombie play? Yeah, excluding. Oh, well, I don't know. I guess whatever the fuck they have an outbreak, that was terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's gross. Like <laughs> bleeding out of your ass and your eyes. And... No thanks. <laughs> yeah. Hard pass. Yeah, I couldn't think of any other uh, crazy diseases in movies, but I mean, you pointed out right there are only really a lot of other virus movies. No, there is one from, I think I mentioned this to you, from 2009, I think, with Chris Pine called Carriers. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember kind of enjoying that. I didn't really look too much into it. These movies are pretty thick, so I wanted to make sure that I gave them both For sure. due attention. Um, I think doing three would have been too much. It would have been also just not a subject matter that you want to do three movies on anyway, right? Yeah. Uh, so uh, I was pretty, um, I was pretty, I don't know, I was pretty happy with this. Um there, there is uh, <laughs> uh, a laundry list of future diseases that get mentioned in a film we already mentioned earlier, Demolition Man. Oh, yeah. So, I don't know what the symptoms of... Uh, I'm just trying to look it up. Uh, Demolition Man. Yeah, I, th- I can't remember. She says a bunch of funny disease names. But I don't know what those symptoms are, but they sound terrible. They're all yeah, well. sexually transmitted. Oh, of course, of course, of course. Yeah, I do remember that, like, AIDS 2 or whatever it was called. <laughs> something like it that. was something like that, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't until AIDS 2 that people realized we really had to slow down with the, with the physical contact. <laughs> yeah, this has got... Uh, anyway, yeah. Um, any questions? Uh, who is your favorite... I do have a question for you. Who is your favorite cinematic monkey? <laughs> or ape. Uh, cinematic... Uh, uh, ape or monkey? Easy. Dr. Zayas. Totally. Dr. <laughs> Zayas, 100%. All right. Uh, so that was questions, uh, and we'll be back with uh, what we learned this week in a few minutes. Well, for us, it'll be a few minutes. For you, it'll be like 10 seconds. But you know, I learned something today. Uh, okay. Hello, uh, fart bags. Jeez. So mean to the... Uh, slowly trying to... So mean to the perceived audience. <laughs> <laughs> They don't exist, so I can call them whatever I want. Yes, that's true. Fuck all of you. Pieces of shit. Fucking garbage people. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, so, yeah. Nathan, what did we learn this week? Well, I learned a couple things. I learned, first of all, that that monkey had some fucking career, man. Yeah. Like, holy shit. That monkey He's got to have been in other stuff, too. Yeah, I think so. But, like, obviously, Marcel on Friends and Outbreak. He got to work with Dustin Hoffman, Patrick Dempsey, and uh, David Schwimmer. So... Mm-hmm. And that, that, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And I learned that, uh, man, bats are fucking terrifying. Yeah. Bats are scary creatures, man. They are poisonous, poisonous creatures. A guy uh, in, in BC last summer got a bat flew into him and he swatted it away and he died of rabies. 
Yeah, so rabies, if it gets past the stage where you get symptoms displayed, is 100% fatal. Yeah. Yeah. So that's terrifying. That's, that's, that's the closest thing we're talking about to a zombie disease. Kind of, yeah. Babies. And we're talking about bats during peacetime here. There's no, there was no COVID yet when this happened, right? During so like, And this is in fucking Vancouver, like Vancouver Island, man. And we have bats everywhere. When we were kids, we go to the beach, we drink at nighttime, the bats swoop down over your shoulders and eat the bugs. We thought it was cool. Now I'm fucking terrified. I don't want a bat Plus, running into me. I heard my buddy Jimmy, he got beat up by a giant bat the other I'm night. I'm telling you, man, a giant bat. <laughs> um, did you learn anything else? Uh, no, that's it. All right. What did you learn? Uh, what did learn, you learn? I didn't learn much, but I learned some important things. I learned, I learned uh, that the CDC has four biosafety levels. It's referenced in both movies. And that did you the, fact check that? Uh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, the uh, suits get. Uh, increasingly cool as you go deeper into the biosafety levels with obviously four having the coolest suits. They do look... Pre- air pressurized suits. They do look cool. Yeah. Uh, and I also learned, Nathan, social distancing is not a fucking joke. We need to change the way we live. People are fucking gross. Contagion is a scared straight style high school public service announcement film for... How gross all yeah. the surfaces if, that we touch and if, are, and why not to touch your face, and oh. why you should probably touch elbows instead of shaking hands. I guess I also learned that I'm, and I agree with you, I guess I also learned that I'm immediately like drawn into a movie that offs an A-list actor 15 minutes into its runtime. Yeah. I just think that that is first class. I don't know what it is about that. It's just like when you have the hubris just to be like, hey, here's somebody that everybody knows, and they're dead. <laughs> Game of Thrones. <laughs> it took nine episodes. Yeah. Nine episodes. And it's Sean Bean. He's not Gwyneth Paltrow. Fine. But he point I mean, being, he is now. The, he the, wasn't then. Your point that the stakes of, like, when, you know, someone... Like, Steve, okay, it's, it's, a, it's not as good of an example because, the, but, like, because he's not a big star now, but when Executive Decision came out and Steven Seagal di- dies, like, 20 fucking minutes into the movie, a guy who, like, his whole career c- would, like, refuse to take a punch from a bad guy just fucking gets <laughs> off, like, right away. Like, that was, that shows some balls. The rest of the movie sucked, but... I don't know, Nathan, it's not the song of Steven Seagal that I know. Uh, so... Look it up, man. It happened. Yeah. So, uh... Rush, that Russian was, citizen. That was our week about virus movies. Yeah, we're not um, really going to be very topical most of the time. No. We just kind of had to this time, you and, know? And, and on to that point, uh, this week was a little too real for, uh, uh Uncle Chris here. And, uh, we're going to swing in the opposite direction. It's time to... We need to escape from the reality that we're facing with all these diseases. Uh, and we're going to escape into a world of fantasy. So we're going to do three, I think, uh, high fantasy films. Yeah, I think, I think we're going to do... do I think we're going to the Destroyer. Conan the Destroyer, for sure. Because Conan the Barbarian, like, I kind of want to do... Like, give an it episode. its own time. I kind of want to give that one its own time. Conan the Destroyer, though, is great fun. It is, like... It's definitely more lighthearted than Conan the Barbarian. Like, that's actually saying... That's actually <laughs> underselling it. Uh, but it is fucking bonkers. It's a great movie. It stars Wilt Chamberlain. It's got Arnold, baby. Arnold, Wilt Chamberlain, Grace Jones, Olivia Dabo. Uh, I know I'm missing somebody, but it's great. Uh, we're also going to do uh, the very, very famous and very oft-referenced Krull. <laughs> uh, that's the one with the glaive. Yeah. Um, I remember it being not very good, but also just fun to watch. Time will tell. Yeah. Uh, I feel it's going to have a lot of matte painting um, Absolutely feels like uh, light a lot painting, of, a lot of uh, a lot of model work, a lot of early CG lightning, a lot of bad sound editing. 
lot of bad ADRing, you know. Uh-huh. You know, a lot of actors who just like shouldn't have been cast. I for one can't wait. Uh, and then we're gonna maybe try to think of a third one. Um, I don't know what that There's is a few yet. Out there. But we're not gonna do it. We're not doing like we're gonna do it. Uh, it's I think we're gonna do its own episode for like the really high end, like the Lord of the Rings is and the Coen's yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the Willows. Though that's a different kind of yeah. Your high end fantasy movies like Lord of the Rings and Willow. <laughs> yeah, and Conan the Barbarian. Those are the only three, really. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think they tried. Like, I mean, I don't want to do them because they're crap, but they, there was, like, a period of time where they really tried. Like, there was Aragon. Remember that? Right. And yeah. there was a Dungeons & Dragons movie that was real bad, as I, I think, recall. I think the Game of Thrones era kind of also spawned, like, a few... But I think Game of Thrones kind of made it unnecessary to have a bunch of movies like that, right? Because yeah. you had Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. So you had six movies in this universe, right? If you really needed to. And then you had fucking ten years of Lord of the Rings and... You know, I don't know. I just don't think that you need it. Like, how much high fantasy does somebody need, right? Yeah. So. Uh, all right. That's this week's up. Uh, right. We're going to go get back to watching the 1990 film Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. All right. See you next week, bitches. Bye. Bye.